This episode was recorded remotely, so please forgive the technical difficulties and poor sound quality. Also, Mark is the best Bible dinger, unlike Ryan or Nick who are major lame-o's. Don't let your child grow up to be like Ryan or Nick, lest they become enamored with fart jokes and tattoos. Thank you for your cooperation fellow dingers. Now please, enjoy learning about Isaiah. So, um, we should catch up a little bit since this is our first time recording in, in a while. And because we've been in quarantine for like three months now. Yeah, I know. Yep. I, I actually have an announcement to make that Mark is going to hear for the first time. Hold up. Are you going to do it right does, now? Does Ryan know about this? Ryan does. Ryan knows about it. Okay. Are we doing it right now? Yeah, give me that drum roll or something. You're pregnant? Come on, bro. Come on, man. How are you, you going to ruin my announcement, dude? <laughs> Wait, is that it? How you, dude. You're, bro. you're pregnant. I mean, I look pregnant. But oh. I mean, I'm not really pregnant, but my wife is. Oh, Ryan's pregnant. Hey. Oh. Hey. hey. Okay. Baby number three. Baby number three. So. Wow. Okay. I wasn't expecting that. Listen, you, you called it before I even said it, so you were expecting it. You were. I mean, I, I didn't say that Cynthia's pregnant. I said. Oh, that I'm pregnant. You're pregnant. Ah. Uh, what are you going to you do know. with your third baby, Nick? Well, you know, I figured I would be a better. Uh, you know, minister. God is three in one. Now I have three. You know what I mean? Like it's a living example. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what I'm going to do with their baby. I have no idea. And I think any dad that's listening that had a third child, listen, shoot, shoot us some messages or something on Bible Dingers and let me know what I could do with a third one because <laughs> it's going to get rough. What are you <laughs> supposed what to do, do with, with that it? thing? I don't know, bro. What do I do? Hang them on the wall. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Not in a bad way, like in a nice way, in a good way, like a nice picture frame. I feel like there's going to be a lot of quarantine babies. Yeah, I got a quarantine baby. Do you have names picked out if it's a boy or a girl? Um, uh, not really. Not yeah, if really. it's a boy, Mark. If it's a girl, Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> oh. I was thinking like Quaranita. You know what I mean? Coronisha. Like Coronita. I like it. Cornet is nice. Cornell. Cornell. Is that a college? (laughs) (laughs) I like it. But hey, I know that some of our listeners, this might be the very first episode they get introduced to because you know how Spotify and that stuff works. They show you the newest one first. So if this is your first time, as always, I'm Nick. I'm here with Ryan and Mark, and this is... Bible dingers. And I'm excited. If if you guys don't know how we start the show, we always start the show with fake news and real news where Ryan and Mark have to guess if the headline that I give them is real news or fake news. And, uh, you know, we're going to start this brand new episode of one of those. Hit me with a soundbite, Ryan, or whoever <laughs> wants to do it. Breaking news on Bible dingers news network. I haven't heard that in a while. This is a little awkward. Just in case you guys don't know, we are recording from our houses. So I'm in my house. Mark's in his house. Ryan's in his house. I'm in my houses. 
Oh, you got two houses? I got like a hundred houses. Ooh. So I got, I got one on Boardwalk. I got one on Park Place. Why are you just flexing on us? Well, you just playing Monopoly, bro. I got one on Ventnor. Wow, what are you insane. I don't know where you're going with this, but <laughs> guys, just know, dingers, we're not together, so we uh-huh. need to feed off of each other's voices. So it's a little awkward. But anyway, have you guys ever watched the movie Dumb and Dumber Two? Mm, I saw the no. first one. But you you watch Dumb and Dumber, right? Yeah. No. You never heard of it, Mark? I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, I heard of it. Okay. Well, you know, growing up, it was funny. Then they came out with Dumber, Dumb and Dumber Two, Dumber Er, uh, and Dumb and Dumber Er. So they came out with three of them, from my understanding. Oh, okay. Um, I haven't seen Dumb and Dumber Two, but apparently it's a thing. And uh, fake news, real news: the U.S. Justice Department, U.S. Justice Department. Is seeking to acquire them. Dumb and Dumber 2. What? They're it's, seeking it's, to acquire the rights to that film. The U.S. Justice Department? The U.S. Department of Justice, baby. Is this uh, fake news or real news? It sounds so ridiculous. I think it might be real. Just so you guys know, my goal for this new season is to stump you every time. Every time. Every single time. <laughs> Hit me with a how you doing. How you doing? Ah, Ryan got that finger that hits it 78,000 times. All right. I think it's real. Daddy found it. Mark thinks it's real. What about Ryan? Daddy loves docs. I haven't heard that one in a while. (laughs) I also think that it's real. You think it's real? Yeah. You think it's real, bro. I guess um, I'm I'm striking out on the episode back. Give me a clap. Ah, my goal for something, you guys. I'm over one. Some after goal. after an investigation, <laughs> you ready for this, guys? I'm ready. After an investigation found millions in embezzled cash had made its way to Hollywood, the Department of Justice is looking to get it back. From 2009 to 2015, more than 4.5 billion disappeared from Malaysian government fund and made its way across the globe through shell companies and shady bank accounts. And a Department of Justice complaint um, let them know about this. And now the U.S. government is looking to claw some of that money back. So they're trying to buy a bunch of rights to uh, several movies. Dumb and Dumber 2 is one of them. To get this money back that was stolen from Malaysia that could have helped Malaysia out. What? But instead... But instead... We use it to make some movies. I How you doing? I don't understand at all. How you doing? So in 2016 complaint, the DOJ also went after the rights of the Wolf of Wall Street. Now the feds are seeking the same for Dumb and Dumber and Daddy's Home. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read this entire uh, article to you, but um, which one is Daddy's Home? Uh, I think that's one with Marky Mark. No pun intended. Oh, oh, with uh, Will Ferrell. Bruh. Yeah, I think so. I never seen it. But y'all don't say that. Um, <laughs> I think the second one with Mel Gibson, the Christmassy one. I've seen that one. It was pretty funny. So apparently, there's this like uh, development called One MDB. It's one. Oh Malaysian yeah, the movie company. Had, no, it's not IMBD. It's One MBD. Oh. It's a uh, fund the country's government established to collect money from foreign investors with the ultimate goal of improving the well-being of the Malaysian people. But 
so they started putting money in like weird accounts and stuff like that, shady stuff. And this money, instead of helping the Malaysian people, is going to fund our movies. That is so confusing. Isn't that wild? Who is moving it to the movie industry? I have no idea. I mean, I again, I'm not going to read this entire thing. Um, but if you guys are interested, feel free. Google is an amazing thing. But this is real. It is legitimate articles on this thing. You can read, you know, Washington Post, um, all these things. Wapo. Yeah. You know. Man, Nick, you really stumped us. Yeah, apparently I did. Boo, you stink! All right, so hold on. I, I, I don't even remember the order of the show. Next is our intro music, right? Yes, sir. Hit him. That was close. Guys, I am so psyched right now. I couldn't wait to come back and record with you guys. I had people hitting me up on Instagram and Facebook. They can't wait for us to be back. Dingers, we are back, and we are better than ever. We actually started interviews for even next season. We're very well prepared. We just have to start recording with all this quarantine stuff. It's been rough. We already recorded all of our interviews for season three and most of our interviews for season four, but we haven't been able to record the actual episodes for season three until now, uh, which is... We've been meeting to meet up since like February. Yeah. Before it's that, because we haven't recorded since, I think, right before Christmas time. No, we met up like the first week of January, remember? Did we? We did like three episodes in a week. Oh, those were interviews though, I think. those were well, yeah, yeah, those yeah. were all interviews. I mean, the last time we recorded. Yeah, yeah. So we we recorded all the interviews, but actual book episodes we haven't been able to record because our plan was to take a little break around Christmas time, mm-hmm. and then by the time we were gonna start meeting up to record again, this whole quarantine thing hit, so we couldn't get back together. Yeah, little break. You know what they say though, right? What? Good things come to those who wait. Look at you. Hey, today, <laughs> today is what you all guys have been waiting for. We're hitting the book of Isaiah. We're hitting it. We're hitting it. You hear that? (laughs) That's me hitting that book right now. (laughs) It sounds like you're making (laughs) pizza dough or something. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Isaiah is the first book of the prophet section. So we're done with, we did the Pentateuch, and then we took care of the historical and the wisdom literature books. And yeah, we're now, done with wisdom. Yeah, we're done with wisdom. Yep. We've no moved on. Wisdom. We are now yeah, on the you, prophets. And uh, actually, the book that we're discussing today is one of the major prophets. But I know most of our listeners are Christians, and they always heard these terms being tossed around, minor prophets, major prophets. So we're just going to give you a brief idea as to what that means. It has nothing to do with prominence or importance. It's not like one of these prophets are more important than the other. What it has to do with is the length of the book. That's what major and minor prophets mean. One one book is longer. The other one is not as long, so it's a minor prophet. Um, the lists 
of the major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Daniel-san. And uh, and we, then we have the minor prophets. Um, that it's it's an extensive list. So we have Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. That's the order that we see in our Bibles. Hey, guy. Um, that's the uh, <laughs> that's that's the order we see in our Bibles, but it's not chronological. Ryan is going to give you the chronological order next. Do you guys have a favorite minor prophet? Um, I was actually reading Micah recently. It's, uh, you guys want to know my favorite one? Sure. Hey, guy. <laughs> Okay. Wait, so because you were recently reading Micah, that's your uh, that's your well, favorite, Mark? I've been reading through all of the Minor Prophets, mm-hmm. and I just remember liking Micah the most. I see. Yeah. That is a good one. You know, um, Hosea is not only my favorite Minor Prophet. It's been probably my favorite book of the Bible for like 10 years. Mm. It's pretty beautiful, but we'll get to it when we get to it. So... Um, yeah, so the order that you see in the Bible is not the chronological order. Like like Nick said, it's just the bigger books are in front and then the smaller books are in back. This is the chronological order that I'm going to run down for you. It's Obadiah and then Joel, then Jonah, then Amos, then Hosea, then Isaiah, then Micah, then Nahum, then Zephaniah, then Jeremiah, then Habakkuk. So that whole group right there, that's all pre-exile right there. All those prophets are pre-exile. Um, so they ministered to Israel and Judah before they went into exile. Then there's two prophets that were um, that were prophesying during the exile. That was Daniel and Ezekiel. And then there was three prophets afterwards um, that were post-exilic. So they came after the exile of Israel and Judah. If you don't know what the exile is, we explained it a lot in the historical books section. Uh, you know, the first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles mm-hmm. episodes. Uh, so you can go back and listen to that if you need some more information on the exile. But post exile, the three prophets we have are Haggai or Haggai, Haggai. <laughs> Zechariah and Malachi. And I believe Malachi is the actual last minor prophets so that's uh well all three of those were in order they were last, weren't they last three books in the old testament it's impressive yeah. everything else was way out of order way to go canonizer also that was right? my wife coughing in the background i'm not sure if you guys caught that and also if you hear a little jingling galing every once in a while i got a dog hey. <laughs> oh that's that's your announcement right oh yeah i'm pregnant with a dog and he's already <laughs> been born in october and i paid for him Mark, do you have any announcements? Uh, no. I was ready with the air horn waiting for you to say something. Give us something, bro. Come on. Uh, I bought Alyssa a longboard. <laughs> bro, that's better than anything. You know what? I bought my wife a longboard when we were dating. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Did she still ride it? Many moons ago. Uh, no, we're old enough. I don't know what a longboard is, so maybe I'm weird. You don't know what a longboard is? 
Bruh. I have no idea. Is that a surfboard? It's the one. No, it's like a big skateboard, and you take it down hills, and you lean over, and you put your hands behind your back. Well, that's one type of longboarding. That's like extreme longboarding. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just like the big skateboards with the big wheels, and they're just for cruising around. Oh, Kurt, come on. I wish I had the soundbite over here, bro. Yeah, so only myself and Mark are in control of sounds today. Yeah, because they have soundboards at their houses. I don't. And I'm usually the one that's most soundboard happy, just in case you guys are wondering. Nick doesn't even have a microphone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? It works. Tell us about the title of Isaiah. Yeah, so today's episode is about Isaiah, since that is the first book of the prophets section of the Bible. Uh, And first, I'm going to go over the title of the book. So most of the books in the prophets section, I believe all of them except for Lamentations, comes from the author's name. So Isaiah's name means Yahweh is salvation. And his name is very similar to Joshua, Elisha, and Jesus in the original Hebrew. Um, So that's where the name of the book comes from. It means Yahweh is salvation. Hmm. Next, we're going to go over the... When you you say that it's similar, do you mean in meeting or in its original name? I think it's similar in pronunciation. Gotcha. Yeshua. And the correct pronunciation of Isaiah in the original is Isaiah. And we're going to get into that, aren't we, Ryan? Hmm. Oh, it's going to get got into... It's it's going to go down. This episode, it's going to go down. I'm telling you right now. Okay, it's going so... downhill? Can it go any more downhill than it's already gone? <laughs> oh, yeah, it can. Once we, got, <laughs> once we start talking about people pronouncing Isaiah, I have a problem with that, but let's go. Okay, let's go. Okay, so um, next is we go over the author of the book and um, and why we think... It is the author of the book, and I believe that Isaiah is the author of Isaiah, and let me tell you why. The book itself claims to be written by Isaiah 14 different times internally. That's the first point. The second point is that Jesus and the apostles mentioned Isaiah as the author 21 times. Also, Isaiah's authorship of the entire book was agreed upon by most everyone until the 18th century. So I believe that's the 1700s for you uh, not historical people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a long time, though. It is a long I mean, time. It's 17, long time. 1900 years. about what happened like, after that? Why did they stop considering him? Well, let me get into that, Mark. We're going to get into that. <laughs> Absolutely. The next point supporting Isaiah's authorship is that all the Jewish copies and traditions attribute authorship to Isaiah. Next, the claim is largely the claim. Bless you. Was that your dog or your wife? That's my wife. <laughs> that's what every, that's what everybody wants to hear, huh? <laughs> it looks so similar. Yeah. Say your dog or your wife. <laughs> the problem is when I bought the dog, she started sneezing all the time. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so the reason why people didn't agree with Isaiah's authorship of the book is largely based on anti-supernaturalism, which is the belief that the supernatural cannot occur, or it's just a naturalist worldview. 
right naturalism yeah naturalism um well i guess it it could be it could be considered two different things naturalism and anti supernaturalism i don't know maybe naturalists can believe that every once in a while i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> anyways it's based on anti supernaturalism and that means that people don't think Isaiah wrote the entire book, at least, because it's not possible for all the fulfilled prophecies within the book to have been fulfilled after the time of authorship. Um, so it mainly just came from skepticism that the prophecies that are written inside the book could not have been written by Isaiah because he lived hundreds of years before the events took place that he prophesied about. However, you mean the, that it's just because they're prophecies? Yeah, simply because there are fulfilled prophecies in the book of Isaiah, a naturalist would say, oh, well, Isaiah couldn't have written that because it was written hundreds of years before it happened. There has to be a naturalistic explanation for it, such as another author. Yeah, they're almost affirming prophecy by saying that. I suppose so. Um, Mm -hmm. But I wanted to mention also in support of Isaiah's authorship is that the writing style and vocabulary point to a uniformity of the book and... Also, something that's interesting to know is that Isaiah is one of the most prolific writers in the Bible. He has like a huge range of vocabulary in comparison to the other writers. And that's pretty consistent from the start to the finish of the book. You don't see any kind of different writing styles within the book. It's all by one author who has this incredible vocabulary. He's a very good author. Yeah. He paints good pictures. Like when you're reading it, it's really visual, descriptive, beautiful, beautiful writing. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So many of the question prophecies are in regard to Jesus, who we know was on the earth between that BC and AD year counting interchange. So he lived around like zero. Um, Mm -hmm. But Isaiah's complete work was among the Dead Sea Scrolls, which are dated to the second century BC. Also, um, you mean that means 200 years before Jesus, correct? And there's so many prophecies about Jesus and we'll get into, there's one specific one, um, that's, that's beautiful that we're going to get into here in a second, but there's several prophecies about Jesus in Isaiah's writing that predates Jesus by 200 years. Um, so just a quick note about Isaiah. I just wanted to throw in a little personal item here. He was married and he had two sons. Uh, The first one was named Sheer Jashub, which means a remnant shall return. And his other son was Maher Shalal Hash Baz, which sounds delicious. And also... That's that's why you have this section. (laughs) That name alone. I love getting some Maher Shalal on the side. Uh, And the hash bass? You can't get it without the hash bass. On the side of my shawarmas? Yeah, it yeah. sounds like kalal. <laughs> the mahir shalal is not the same without the hash bass. <laughs> Anyways, his name means hasting to the spoil or hurrying to the prey. And that's not P-R-A-Y, that's P-R-E-Y. Yeah, he's not hurrying to prey. No. Um, okay, so let me go over the date of writing real quick, and then we'll go over the date of the events. Um, we know that Isaiah ministered until 681 BC, and that's because of his description of Sennacherib's death in Isaiah 37, verse 38. Um, so Sennacherib died in 681 BC, and it was written about in detail by Isaiah. And so we know that he ministered until at least 681 BC. 
We know that his ministry began in the reign of Uzziah because the book says so. And that was in between the years 790 to 739 BC. So that means that Isaiah ministered between the years of 739 and 681 BC. So roughly 50 or 60 year time span. Um, and tradition has it, and the, the, you can't take this to the bank, but tradition has it that Isaiah was martyred and sawed in half by King Manasseh. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was probably written between the years of 739 and 681 BC. Now for the date of the events, um, the events described in Isaiah last from around 739 BC to the culmination of our world based on the prophecies in the book. Um, and there were four different Judean kings that had reigned during the events of the book. Uh, it, you got Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Okay. And, and now okay. before we dive in, before we dive into the book, you have to understand what the book's purpose uh, that's a big thing that we always discuss that for every single book. We want to know why, in a brief sense, why was it written? And um, Charles Dyer said, and he stated briefly, the purpose of Isaiah is to display God's glory and holiness through his judgment of sin and his deliverance and blessing of a righteous remnant. So, in other words, this book is one of the most important Christological books in the Bible. Uh, the study of, of Christology is huge when you're a Christian. And not only does it tell us about the coming Messiah, it tells us about his character and his heart. Isaiah 53 specifically tells us more about the Messiah than just about any other book in the New Testament. It includes his birth, his death, resurrection, ascension, and coronation in heaven. That's good so, stuff. That's really good stuff. Nikki. Uh, really deep. Did you write that part or did I write that part? Uh, you did. Oh, that's good stuff, Ryan. Yeah, really good stuff. <laughs> nice job, me. Everybody's favorite part of Joe. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I, I added a lot to it. You know what I mean? I yeah. added a lot to it. Well, you a brought the bit emotion. You know what I mean? You can't have food without adobo. And that's what I'm I bring now right now. feeling it now, Mr. Krabs. Okay. Bro, I huh. just brought adobo. That's what I did. Yeah. Give me, give me the most, the, the everybody's favorite part of the show. Give it to me. Come on. Oh, <laughs> oh man, I wish you guys were here. You know the, you know the arm motions that I make every time you do that. I still did it. Oh, Just, I wish I could I see still you guys. Did it. I know. So the first fun fact is the one we're probably going to spend the most time talking about. And that's, you know, if someone went to seminary based on their pronunciation of Isaiah, how are they supposed to say it, Ryan? Okay. So the seminary way of saying Isaiah is Isaiah, because that's how it's actually pronounced in Hebrew. And so if you hear somebody saying Isaiah, then there's a 90% chance that they went to seminary and the other 10% chance is that they're an Australian. Hmm. I think so they're Australian, but uh, listen, I'm going to go to seminary. You went to seminary. I don't know what Mark's plan is, but I'm never saying Isaiah. It's not uh, happening. I did. Yeah. All, all my friends and professors used to say Isaiah and uh, I don't know. I just couldn't, 
I can't, I can't just, I can't just do it. You know, I can't just yeah, do what everyone I mean, else is why? doing. We're in America <laughs> and Americans say words their own way. Yeah. It's the truth. You know, it's like, come it's on. It's Isaiah, mate. Yeah. It's Isaiah, mate. <laughs> Isaiah, mate. All right. You know what I mean? The next uh, fun fact is Isaiah is quoted in the New Testament more than all the other prophet books combined with over 400 references. Hold on. That's incredible. How you doing? How you doing? And you ready for the next one? If yeah. that one wasn't good enough, the only book referenced more times in the New Testament than Isaiah is Psalms. How you doing? I mean, putting things in perspective, it's because Psalms is the longest book of the Bible. So 150 chapters. That's what I'm saying. So as short as Isaiah is, which is really not short, but compared it's to not. Psalms, it is, <laughs> you know, it was jam packed either way with uh, with the references. It was freaking slammed with them. Isaiah is the second longest book, right? No, I think Jeremiah is. Jeremiah. Yeah. But slam. Uh, is 66 be. chapters. Don't make Jeremiah be. is 52. Is it? I think as far as words, lengthwise, yeah, Jeremiah might actually be the longest. Mm. I don't know. Jeremiah's next episode. Stay tuned. Yeah. Regardless, it's jam packed full of references. You can't you can't get through that many chapters without noticing it's pouring into Jesus. You have you can't you can't you can't go blind to that fact. You just can't. What do you? You just can't. You understand? You understand? You just can't. Anyway, yeah. Um, Isaiah fifty three is interesting. And that its perspective is looking back on the Messiah. He was pierced. He was bruised. So the way they describe it is like it happened already. Mm. So it makes it super interesting. But it hadn't happened um, yet. But it hadn't happened yet. Mm. That is very interesting. Very, very interesting. But, I mean, I, I think that it's, it's poetic, you know. The way, the way it's written, a lot of it is poetic. A lot of it is really to paint the picture to us that's looking back at the resurrection. I feel in a lot of ways he was writing in some sorts, and we're going to get into this, but me personally, I believe in some sorts he knew that Believes of Christ was going to read back on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, again, that could be controversial in no way, shape, or form. Is that a fact? But that's just my personal belief. <laughs> um, Isaiah no way, is very similar. It, I mean, it, you know, it, it could be factual if you want to take it that way, but you know, we try to be, <laughs> Wait, we try to be, work. we try not to be biased. So I don't want to be biased. We try but, not to be biased, but this is my complete opinion. <laughs> it's my complete opinion okay? And it's pretty much fact. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm laying down the wall, guys. It's fact. You know what? It's, it's fact in every shape or form. Okay. Every shape or form of fact. Look at you. <laughs> anyway, um, there are 66 chapters in Isaiah, similar to 66 books of the Bible. (laughs) The first 39 chapters of Isaiah are largely about judgment, similar to the first 39 books of the Bible in the Old Testament. The last 27 chapters are about salvation. Guess what the last 27 chapters are about in the New Testament? Oh, the last 27 books. Yeah, 27 books, my bad. Uh, Repentance. Salvation. 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 So, those fun facts are incredible. I love those facts. If it doesn't show you the depth of Isaiah, I don't know what else will. But before we dive in, we're about to get into the outline. Ryan's going to kill this. He's going to hit it out of the park. Okay. But before we dive in, let's just briefly mention that there are two views for this book on who 
the word, the term Israel is referring to. And again, we don't pick sides in the show, but we are presenting <laughs> to you what the two the, options the are. Correct side. <laughs> the correct side is no, no. So some people believe that Israel, and you're going to hear the term Israel, or at least uh, some type of pointing to the term Jacob. Israel a lot. Yeah, Jacob a lot in this book. So the Israel is the literal nation, or is it the people of God? Those are the two views. But I want to tell you that no matter what view you fall into, the the book can easily be applicable to you, even if you're not Jewish, even if it is talking about the Jews, um, because you know it can be easily applied. Obviously, we still believe in Jesus. Obviously, there's still promises that God has put on us as His people. So, no matter what side you choose, which you know it, it, it's really up to you and your studies and what you want to do, this book is crazy deep. It's very applicable, and it points you to Christ, someone that we need to believe in and put our trust and faith in our lives today. Okay, but Ryan, go ahead. Yeah. So. There could be like an original purpose that the author had when he was writing the book, but there mm-hmm. could also be like a meta purpose that God had for it. And, for sure. For and sure. that's for us. So let's jump right into the book of Isaiah. Um, we're going to give you just a brief outline of what happens in the book. And we'll go ahead and just jump right into chapter one. Um and I believe that chapter one is about Israel's condition and God's solution to that condition. So in verses two through nine, um, it just basically tells us about how Israel's condition is rebellious and stubborn, and it was pretty much destroyed. Um, and God's solution to that heart condition was a heart change and that God would forgive their sins. Um, and so that rolls us right into chapters two through four which tell us kind of the problem with Israel. And in the first part of chapter two, it talks about God's desire for Israel, which is to be a light on a hill. God's desire for them was not to be a a candle under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. (laughs) And then there was God's discipline of Israel because they weren't, thanks, because they weren't fulfilling that. And that was the middle of chapter two, Um, all the way up until chapter four. And basically God is saying to Israel through Isaiah that he will judge them and wipe out the sin. And then after that, um, in the middle of chapter four into the end is God's determination for Israel. And what he determines for them is that he continues to desire to set them apart. So even though they're rebellious, even though they're sinful, he still desires to set them apart and to be a light on a hill. So those are the first four chapters of Isaiah. Um, Pretty easy. Chapter five is the analogy of wild grapes. Um, So this is like, I do too. My favorite are conquered grapes. Um, And like Nick was talking about earlier, uh, a lot of parts of this book really kind of paints a picture for you. And right here, Isaiah is using this analogy of grapes to paint a picture. And it starts in verses one through seven with the song of the vineyard. You guys know what this song is about? Um, grapes. <laughs> you Dude, know, there I actually is, um, there is like a big church. What is it? Denomination, the vineyard churches. And they make, Never heard of it. yeah, they make music too. vineyard 
Hmm. Check it out. The first time I went to a vineyard church was in Brazil, actually, and it was massive. So um, shout out hmm. to Vineyard Church, I guess. Anyways, so the song is about a vine dresser that cares for a vineyard and then allows the vineyard to destroy itself. Can you guys guess who the vine dresser and the vineyard are in this song? Jesus said he's the true vine. (laughs) That's true. I like grape. And he also turned water into wine, and wine comes from a vineyard. Ooh. So anyways, the vine dresser... playing with my emotions, Ryan. I know. I'm sorry. The vine dresser, of course, in this song is God, and the vineyard is Israel. And he allows Israel to destroy themselves in this song. And then continuing on with this analogy of grapes, um, through, the, grapes. <laughs> through the middle of chapter five, you know, grape juice kind of gives me heartburn whenever I drink it. So you get heartburn after every communion? Well, I think a little bit of grape juice. Drip that's, of something, that's something wrong. God's trying to tell you something there, bro. You think I have sin in my throat? <laughs> Could be, or it could have been the Twinkies from the night before. Yeah, you still haven't finished that box. I did. <laughs> I got a box of Twinkies and uh, Ho Hos, or whatever they're called from Ho-Hos. from Costco. <laughs> what are Ho Hos, bro? I think it's like the Twinkies counterparts. Okay, Twinkies, Ho Hos. Okay, the chocolate ones. Anyways, we should probably continue on with this analogy of grapes. I love grapes. Okay. Let me finish. Let me finish the grape analogy. I love grapes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. The thrilling commentary you guys love. (laughs) That's written all over the outline. (laughs) Is it really? No, that would be hilarious. Wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I love grapes. I love grapes. I love grapes. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So in these verses, and that's verse eight to twenty-five, it talks about the wildness of the grapes and how they're rebellious and sinful grapes. <laughs> and then the end of chapter five talks about the coming destruction of the grapes. And it says that these grapes will have foreign armies destroy them. That is in chapter five, which I don't know why anyone would want to destroy grapes. I love Um, grapes. I guess Nick destroys grapes all the time. Okay. So that's the analogy of grapes. And that was in chapter five. And I'm, I'm thankful to the Lord that we finally got through it. I suppose. No, you'll never forget it. Never forget it. Those people, man, the dingers out there. They learned a lot about grapes this episode. Bible dingers. Okay, so chapter six. Um, and this gets into the second, I guess, big chunk of Isaiah, even though it's only a chapter, but I caused it to be a big chunk because it's such an important chapter. Mm. Um, chapter six is Isaiah's vision of God. Um, and that's it starts with verses one through eight where Isaiah goes through this cleansing. And what happens here is Isaiah says that he's a man of unclean lips. I'm sure you've heard this before. Mm -hmm. And he has a vision where a seraphim, which is a type of angel, touches his lips with coal and he's cleansed. A burning coal. 
It could. Right. It could. I'm assuming that it would be burning. Yeah. Verse eight, because if it's just coal, you know, what power does it? It would. Just, yeah, it would just make his lips black. Um, and then verse eight in this portion is the famous, one of the most famous verses in this book, where Isaiah says, "Here am I, send me." And then the end of chapter six is the prophet's commission. So this is Isaiah's commission. And, and God calls Isaiah to prophesy Israel's destruction here. Um, so that's a, that's a huge part of the book of Isaiah is chapter six. That's really Isaiah getting sent forth as a prophet. Gotcha. Next up is point three, and that's Israel's crisis of faith. That's chapter seven through 39. Um, as we enter into chapter seven through 12, we see the choice between trusting God or Assyria. They were seeking Assyria's protection against Syria and North Israel. Um, so, uh, God was showing himself in chapter seven, uh, through chapter nine, uh, through many ways, uh, you know, trying to get them to really trust in him. Um, he lays out many signs and prophecies for Isaiah to enact. Um, when we get into chapter seven, you see things like flies and bees, and that might, that might, you know, kind of make you scratch your head. What is he referring to? But in reality, he's just, he's just, uh, referring to swarming armies, so basically, these armies were just going to attack them like swarms of flies and bees. And their land was going to become briars and thorns. So all the things that they had that were fully grown in and, and really um, flourishing were no longer going to be there because God was trying to, to show himself. And then when we see in chapters 9 and 10 is a measurement by God's standard. God condemns wicked judges and rulers. And uh, you'll see a lot of woes. Like, whoa, bro, whoa. Woe to them who decree wicked things. That's chapter 9 through 10. You know, he's, uh, he's condemning those wicked judges and rulers. Then in chapters 10 through 11, chapter 10 through 11 um, is hope of God's deliverance. That's when God will judge the Assyrian ruler and restore Israel. Again, woe to Assyria. You, you see that word throughout uh, chapter 9 through 11, woe, woe, woe. So you got anything to say about woe? Anything at all, Brian? Basically, I stopped there and I said, Ryan, do you have anything to say about the word woe? And then we realized you weren't there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. What you got for me, bro? You got anything about the word woe? Uh, it's a good Paramore song. What about you, Mark? Anything better than that? Uh, <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> whoa. Guys, you really disappointed me. You know that? Oh. Well, anyway, we're at chapter 12 now, and that is the overall message of that. It's a trust in God's favor. After God's restoration, people praise him. And you see that. And even till this day, when God restores you, that you know he does. You know he restores you. You know he answers your prayer. What do you do? You're left to praise him. And, you and that's say, exactly whoa. what's going on. You say, whoa, God. <laughs> I'm not woeing you. All right. I'm not saying woe is God. I'm just saying whoa. Whoa. You're doing great things here, God. You understand? Whoa. God. Whoa. whoa. I know you told me to woe that guy over there, but I'm woeing you now. Okay. Bruh. But anyway, whoa. God is awesome. Isaiah 12 is amazingly beautiful. Um, a little piece of it is the Lord is my strength and my song. You know, if you ever read it, 
read it and you have a good example as to how you're supposed to praise him in prayer. The Lord is this. The Lord is that. The Lord has done this. It's so uplifting. It's so glorifying to God to pray that way. I love Isaiah 12. And next point is God's sovereignty over the nations. We see that in chapters 13 to 35. Um, Chapters 13 to 23, divine judgments on the nation. God will judge Babylon, Philistia, Moab, Damascus, Cush, Egypt. Hmm? Huh? You there? Yeah. Oh, I thought you said a hold up. Yeah. Okay. God will judge Babylon, Philistia, Moab, Damascus, Cush, Egypt, Edom, Arabia, Jerusalem, and Tyre. I you know nobody ever gets it when I say hold up. That's I think it's because oh hold up oh I got gotcha. you no oh, I, no like it's because it's a Houston thing gotcha yeah gotcha. people in That's Houston cool. go hold up hold up hold up Man, okay I got gotcha. you so <laughs> we got to get through this outline guys Sorry. it's gonna be like a two hour show are you tired um, oh. He's going to judge them, and he's going to judge, he's going to judge you for being tired if you're listening to this and you want to shut it off, okay? <laughs> but um, he will judge those, those nations, the ones that I just listed. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, Isaiah 24 is an incredible read. There's such theological depth in there. He's not just talking about judging those nations. Um, Isaiah 24 is actually talking about the brokenness of the entire world that the earth is broken with sin. So if you just want to take this little nugget of truth, the application today, I love chicken nuggets and I love (laughs) grapes. I love grapes. Um, The application today um, from Isaiah 24, just a little nugget, a little grape. You know what I mean? I love nuggets. (laughs) The application today is we are saved from that brokenness that is described in Isaiah 24 with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ's picture is all over Isaiah 25. I thought no one knew what he looks like. But, it, bro, his, his picture is right there. there. <laughs> he has black hair. It's it right said there. it. He loved grapes. I know God loves grapes. And Jesus did too. And he wasn't tired. And he loves nuggets. you tell okay? me I just opened my Bible to Isaiah 25. And boom. Isaiah 24 and 25. It's showing you that he swallowed up death forever. And he didn't just swallow up grapes. He didn't just swallow up nuggets. He didn't just get tired. No, he wasn't tired at all. He swallowed up death. And today, death had no sting. Let me get an amen. So bad. So bad. <laughs> Bible dingers. Again, Bible dingers, baby. Again, uh, we're seeing chapters 24 to 20, 27. Praises are being brought to God. 27. 20. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bro, this this is so brutal today. You could tell we haven't been together for a while. Anyway. Again. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so divine victory over the nations, chapters 24 through 27. Again, praises are being brought to him. And you would think these people would learn something, that in the beginning they weren't supposed to create allies with people other than God. They were supposed to be trusting in God. And the chapters 28 to 33, you're seeing the folly of trusting the nations, 
There's warnings against trusting in allies instead of God because he is in control. So we see in Isaiah 30, verse 1, Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan but not mine, and who make an alliance but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Again, they're not trusting in a God that obviously has them in the palm of his hand, had completely control over this entire situation. No, they're trying to create allies with other people for protection. Come on. And uh, point four, the consequences of Israel's trust, chapters 34 through 35, they will be lifted up again. Chapters 36 to 39 is a test of Israel's trust. Um, the, the Assyrian threat, in chapters 36 to 37, Sennacherib threatens Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah cries out to the Lord who protects them. Guess who protects them? Who? Once again, God. Not any of the allies that they tried to make, not anybody else, God. Point two, the Babylon threat, the Babylonian threat. I love baloney. Uh, chapters 38 to 39, Hezekiah falls ill, but then recovers. Isaiah warns Hezekiah that one day Babylon will carry off everything from the palace. I love baloney. <laughs> I love greens. This episode is making me so I love hungry. <laughs> I love nuggets, bro. <laughs> I'm not getting tired. Of talking about any of those three things at all. Striking theological commentary. So <laughs> <laughs> all right. Go ahead, bro. You got this. Oh, you finished? Close us out. Did you tell us about the baloney threat? Uh, the baloney threat is in chapter 38 to 39. Yeah. That's when Hezekiah falls ill. But then he recovers. Yeah. And Isaiah tells Hezekiah that one day... Babylon is going to take everything out of the palace. Yeah, I said that already, but you were so distracted by baloney. Oh, you know what, you? bro? You're full of baloney, dude. Okay. Uh, so the fourth big section of Isaiah is Israel's calling in the world, and that's in chapters 40 to 55. Um, the, the first chunk of this section is in chapters 40 to 48, and this just basically talks about God's grace to God's people or Ooh. Israel, depending on your view on this, um, depending on if you have um, the wrong view or if you have Nick's view. Um, <laughs> oh. So in chapter 40... Well, I mean, the verse does say God's people. Right. So that's why I put it there. I, I wasn't trying to insinuate anything. I was just trying to say... No, you're you know, right. No. What the Bible said. Yeah, okay, Nick. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, you're right, of course. All the, right, Nick. You know, okay. chapter 40... Just say God's people. Okay. So. Yeah, dude, you know what? I love grapes. If you want to learn something about God, shut your mouth and listen to me for a minute. All right. So chapter 40, it talks about the Lord of the servant. It says that he is forgiving, that he is loving, and that he is gentle. Then in 41 through 44, it talks about the servants of the Lord, who is Israel or God's people. And it says that they must trust in the Lord because he is their strength. The Lord will protect them, not idols. Um, and then chapters 44 through 47 goes over the Lord's redemption of his servant. And basically, this is the prophecy, and this is a major prophecy, that Cyrus will free and restore Israel and Babylon will fall. Um, so that's between chapters 44 and, and 47. Following that is chapter 48, and that is the servant's attention to her Lord. Um, and that's basically about how Israel is stubborn, 
but the Lord still frees them. So that's just kind of a follow-up to the prophecy that's in chapters 44 through 47 about how Israel was stubborn and they were in exile, but then God still freed them from exile. Mm. Moving on to chapters 49 through 55, um, this is the second big chunk of the fourth section of Isaiah, and this is God's atonement for Israel. So this has three parts. There's the anticipation of salvation, and that's chapter 49 through 52, and this is basically just the prophecy of Israel's restoration. Then there's the announcement of salvation, which is chapter 52 and 53. And um, I believe 53 is the big one, right? 53? Yeah. Yeah, Isaiah 53 is the big prophetic um, chapter about Jesus. Um, uh, Ryan cut out. We lost him again. Okay, yeah, so chapter 53 is the prophecy of a coming Messiah, and it's so incredibly accurate to Jesus and what happened to him. And, you know, you hear this chapter read all the time at Christmas time and stuff like that, and it's it's pretty incredible just how close it is to Jesus' story. Just the fact that we do read it at Christmas time all the time and it's not even in the new Testament is incredible to me. Um, there's so many books on it too. Like if you go to Christian bookstore, you you'll find like 500 books just titled Isaiah 53. Yeah. So many Mm -hmm. preachers want to write about it. Yeah. So that's God's atonement for Israel. And that's his announcement of salvation. That's in chapters 52, um, and 53. Make sure you read those chapters if you haven't before. Um, and then lastly, in this part of the fourth chunk of, Isaiah is the invitation to salvation. And that's in chapters 54 through 55. And basically that says that God is going to restore his people and give him rest. And then the the fifth and final big chunk of Isaiah is in chapters 56 through 66. Um, and the first part of the last portion is chapters 56 through 59. And that's just the recognition of human inability. Basically, it talks about how humans need to walk in humility in order to have peace. And that's specifically in chapters 56 through 57. And then fun fact about Isaiah chapter 58, I actually had to memorize this whole chapter at one point in my life. Hmm? Really? Yeah, I had Isaiah 58 memorized. I don't anymore, but basically it's about... It's basically about fasting and how he doesn't desire like fasting just because it's a ritual, but he desires your heart and stuff like that. Mm. And so that's really the idea of chapter 58 and 59, that it's not your ritual. It's not your going through the motions. It's not your actions that make you righteous. God's desire is for your heart. And God's desire was for Israel's heart in the book of Isaiah. And it's not it's not their sacrifices, their their animal sacrifices. It's not our going to church. You know, it's not us going through the motions that God looks down and sees our righteousness. He desires our heart. And God sees Christ's righteousness if we have a relationship with him. Reach. Imputation, baby. All right. So the next chunk is in Isaiah 60 through 62. And this is basically just the revelation of future glory. And it gets a little dicey here, depending, I suppose, on if you're a dispensational or a covenant theologian. But I guess a dispensational 
person would say that in chapter 60, it talks about Israel being exalted above the other nations. And then in 61, 62, it talks about God restoring Israel and they will be peaceful and prosperous. But again, that's the dispensational view. I don't know, Nick, do you want to say something real quick on those chapters? No, it's all right. Again, this is just uh, going through a brief overview. But if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out to us on uh, Facebook or Instagram or our email, BibleDingers at gmail.com. Yeah, so <clears throat> there's one last little section here, and that's the recognition of divine ability. And that's in chapter 63 through the end of the book, which is chapter 66. And that is basically God's faithfulness in spite of Israel's unfaithfulness. And that is in chapter 63 and six through 65. And basically it talks about how, although God blesses them, that Israel will remain in sin. However, God will continue to bless them. Um, and then lastly, there's the culmination of Israel's future. Once again, this is kind of a dispensational view, but that's in the end of chapter 65 into chapter 66. And that's basically about how God is going to create a new heavens and new earth. And that mm-hmm. is the book of Isaiah. Yeah. Awesome. Listen, dingers, regardless of your view, regardless of your view, this book is can be easily applicable to your life. God um, is blessing you uh, regardless of your unfaithfulness. He he is revealing himself to you. He he does have a relationship with you if you accept Christ. So regardless of your view, um, this book is easily digestible. You can read through it and and study it. Study the two topics and 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 really I hope at minimum this just piques an interest in you to go online, uh, read some commentaries and start developing your own stance of where you want to be in in your theology. But regardless, this is the latest episodes of Bible Dingers. We just covered the book of Isaiah. We are so excited that you're still listening, that you're still following us. If you haven't followed us yet, get on Facebook, get on Instagram, get on Twitter. And uh, just find us at Bible Dingers across the board. It's very easy to find. We only have one name. We are, there's literally only one Bible Dingers in the whole world. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure you could find us fairly easily. And when you get on there, make sure you hit like, make sure you hit follow, make sure you hit subscribe. And wait, while you're there, wait, while you're there, and while you're there, just give me the likes, don't pass and scroll. Don't hit subscribe. I mean, whoa, what did you say? Hit subscribe. Don't hit subscribe. Don't hit subscribe. No, hit subscribe. Hit like. Hit follow. Make sure you interact with us. And we love you. But most importantly, hang on. It's been so long, I forgot how to end the show. All right, we actually don't finished. subscribe. Yeah, don't don't subscribe. subscribe. Don't like. <laughs> <laughs>